It is such a blessing to worship uh, in the presence of the Lord in His Spirit and then to gather around His Word. Uh, we are in a series that I've called This I Believe. And we're studying, it's a back to basics. We're studying the basic beliefs of Christian people as a Christ follower. What are the things that over really centuries we have come to agree upon as the, the most significant beliefs that we, that we center on? Some of these come from creeds that you may have repeated uh, in worship as you were growing up. Uh, they, they're the historic ecumenical councils that formed creeds. And we're studying these as a way of knowing uh, where we are grounded as people of faith. And I've posed this uh, in the form of the, what I call the big questions. We've been asking the big questions. Who is God? Not, not is there a God? You know, the Bible says that the one who doesn't believe there is God is a fool. And so you know, we're asking, who is God? How do we get to know God? And, and then how bad is our situation? Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago uh, because the world has an entirely different answer. But the scripture tells us we are in trouble without Jesus. We are in trouble without a savior, without redemption. And then we began to ask the question, well, who is the solution? Who is Jesus? And why does that really matter? And today we're to the point of Holy Spirit. We're going to be learning about the Holy Spirit. Last summer, I want to remind you, uh, we did a series called Welcome Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you, if you are curious uh, to learn about the Holy Spirit, all of those messages, 14 messages, are on our uh, website, our webpage. And you can watch those. You can get the notes. And it, it's really interesting because we had a number of different uh, speakers from, uh, from our faith community. And it, it's a really great study of who is Holy Spirit and how do we welcome Holy Spirit? Because sometimes we, we kind of look and we say, well, that's kind of confusing to me. It's a great, great study. On, on this weekend, my focus is on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to uh, invite you to, uh, uh, to hear the word of God from Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 3. And we're going to be looking at the, uh, the announcement of the coming of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you'll find that on page 909 in the edition of the Bible that's out there. And if you do not own a Bible, we invite you to receive that Bible, uh, one of these Bibles, and take it home, put your name in it, and be sure that you own a Bible because you need to own a Bible. Are you ready for some word? Okay. All right. Uh, Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 3. He presented himself alive to them. After his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed 
by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of your word. We thank you for Holy Spirit. And we thank you for Holy Spirit power and the engagement that you give us. God, speak to us. But more importantly, uh, we want to experience and know the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we might ask, just who is Holy Spirit? And in my studies, I've often, uh, I like to refer to him as Holy Spirit, because that's his name. And then sometimes we, we uh, refer to him as the Holy Spirit, because we're kind of used to that, especially in some of the creeds and things like that. We actually first met him in our study, our first study, which was Who is God? And we realized that all three parts of God were present at the creation that Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep at the moment of creation. And when the word was speaking creation into existence, into being, Holy Spirit was celebrating that moment. We looked at the word fluttering over the face of the deep. It's a marvelous image given to us, the very beginning of God's word. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to send a helper. That's one of the other names for Holy Spirit. Uh, they, uh, they began to hear about this, that they would need this helper, John 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another, one different from me, another helper to be with you forever. So Jesus was clarifying that Holy Spirit, the helper, is different from him and yet they are one. And we see this in so many different scriptures, uh, the declaration that the three are one and yet they are distinct. They are different persons. He told them that the Spirit would speak through them, the disciples, uh, about Jesus uh, as time went on. So Holy Spirit is the one who will help us to have the right words. You ever find yourself wondering, how am I going to have the right words in this situation? How am, I, how am I going to answer the questions that come? How, if I'm asked to give a devotion or to speak in front of people, how will I know? Well, it's Holy Spirit that we lean on, that we depend upon. So all three persons that Jesus mentions uh, are uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one, they are God, but they are distinct. Uh, they are part of this thing we call Holy Trinity. That phrase does not appear in Scripture. It's our way of grasping. It's our theological tool for understanding who God is. Because God's bigger than our brains. How many of you know that? Yeah. <laughs> If not, you'll figure it out soon. God is always bigger than our brains. But Holy Spirit is a person, and we don't want to miss that. Holy Spirit is not a what or an it. Uh, he is a who with a name, actually with many names. He has a number of different titles in Scripture, a number of different names. Comforter, Counselor, Advocate, Spirit of Truth, Spirit of God, Teacher, He's present from the first page of the Bible until the last. And he breathed everything that is in between. I want you to do something for me for just a moment. Uh, you have a Bible. Some of you brought your Bibles. If not, there's one near you. Take out one of those Bibles, if you would.
And uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach down and grab one down here. And I'd like you to just get one of those Bibles. Thank you. And, uh, and, and I want you to open it up. And it doesn't matter where you open it. Open it. I'm not going to give you a page number. Just open it to any place, okay? And I want you to take it. And I want you to put it to your face and breathe in. That smells good, doesn't it? I like the smell of a, of a nice new book. But do you realize that when you, when you do that, you are breathing in the breath of God? There are a lot of ways that we can breathe in the breath of God, but right here, word of God, this is breathed by God. And so every page here represents and brings to us the breath of God. And so that's something that we want to realize that Holy Spirit is very, very near to us, very easily accessed. Holy Spirit is the most easily accessed person uh, in this Holy Trinity that we talk about. I love a phrase that I grew up with, and maybe, maybe you did too. Uh, we had creeds when I was growing up, and I, remember, I always remember this. It's one of my favorite definitions, but it's from the Korean Methodist Church creed. And it says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, God present with us for guidance for comfort and for strength. Some of you remember that? It's one of the beautiful uh, statements because it says, if you are experiencing God, you are experiencing Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes people, they get, they get into this thing where they say, I like Jesus, but I'm not sure about Holy Spirit. <laughs> you, you can't do that. You experience Jesus through the presence of Holy Spirit. I like to pray to God the Father. I like God the Father. I'm not sure about these other things. It's only by Holy Spirit that we experience and pray to and engage with God the Father. Holy Spirit is, I'm not going to say most important, but Holy Spirit is the way we encounter God, the way we experience God. He's the most active and action-oriented person of the Holy Trinity, and yet maybe the most misunderstood. Uh, and the reason is because of any part of the Trinity Holy Spirit lives and operates outside of our theological boxes. And he lives outside of our, the confines of our doctrinal statements. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll hear someone say, well, you know, God can't really do that. <laughs> oh, just wait. Holy Spirit can do anything Holy Spirit chooses to do. And so, Holy Spirit, that's why we're uncomfortable sometimes. Well, Holy Spirit may not behave in the way that I wanted him to. Well, that's because he's God and he knows and he is best. There are two times in the New Testament when we see uh, the Holy Spirit with the other persons of the Trinity. We actually see it. It's reported to us. And one is at uh, Jesus' earthly baptism. And you remember that the, uh, that the Father is announcing, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And the dove is descending, and Jesus has just been baptized. So all three are there. But also at the transfiguration of Jesus, the glory of the Lord appeared and overshadowed them in a cloud. So Holy Spirit is there. Uh, the Father says, uh, this is my son. Do what he says. It's a little bit different. I love that. You need to listen to him. And then Jesus is there, of course. But all of this, everything is pointing to the era that we live in. We call it the era, the church age. It's the age of the ecclesia. Say that with me. Ecclesia. It's the Greek word. Sometimes we, we say church and we think of something with a steeple. 
And that's just a building. But church is very, very significant, very important. And it's in, church is empowered in this age by Holy Spirit. We're going to study that a little bit more next week. We live in the, in the age of the ecclesia. That word means the called out ones. Right now, we're gathered together because we're called out of the world to study and to learn and to worship and to grow and to fellowship. But then we are sent out. We don't want to miss that. It's the rhythm of the ecclesia. We are called out of the world and then we're sent back into the world. And th- this is the, the age in which we live. We, we live in a time in which we engage with Holy Spirit in everything that we do. We're empowered and Jesus continues to engage with us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a, a very powerful thing. The birth of this age happened in Acts chapter 2. Uh, verses 16 and 17 was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Uh, the prophet Joel said, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, that is, shall speak uh, with inspiration in in utterance. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's not about the young or the old. It's about everyone. It's not about just men. It's about men and women. It's about daughters and sons. I'm going to, how do we know we're in the age of, of 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 the end time? Because in the end time, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he started doing that in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, he appeared um, uh, many times during those 40 days. For, for 40 days, he kept showing himself to people. You know, it's interesting that in the early history of the church, no one really questioned whether Jesus had been raised from the dead. Uh, Even uh, the Jewish historian Josephus, he just, as an assumption, said, well, he he was raised from the dead. Why? Because he had shown himself to so many people. We only began to question that hundreds and hundreds of years later when we didn't have people going around saying, well, I saw him. (laughs) Don't be silly. And and, and we live in an age where people question the resurrection of Jesus, uh, but it's only because it's been a long time. So he showed himself to many, many people, and then he ordered the disciples not to leave. Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't depart. Uh, They were to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, there's this new baptism that's coming. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they asked, well, does that mean that now you're you're going to restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? And of course, they were hoping that Jesus would set aside the Roman uh, oppression and and turn everything back over to the Jewish people. Are you going to restore the kingdom? And that wasn't what they were talking about, what he was talking about at all. He said the times and the seasons, you don't even know. This is way above your pay grade. That doesn't mean Jesus didn't, didn't know. But he says they're fixed by the Father and his authority. So he knows when the times are, but they're not for me to tell you right now. But there's really, really something great that I'm going to tell you. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. And I love this, and uh, we've studied it before. The Greek word is dunamis. Say that with me, dunamis. And dunamis, I, I, I love the great definition of it. 
It means force. So those of you who are Star Wars fans, it's right there, okay? All right? Force, power, especially miraculous power. Uh, may, may the dunamis be with you. <laughs> ability, the ability to do things you couldn't do before. Abundance and might. It's where we get the word dynamite. And dynamite, it's very powerful. You know, when we're out west, we sometimes go and, and uh, tour some mines and things like that. And they teach us about how carefully placed uh, dynamite. They drill and they carefully place the dynamite. And then it, boom, and it, and it does the thing that's needed with power and with strength. Uh, when it's carefully used, that, that is a very powerful word. So we're not talking about a wimpy word uh, when he says, you wait and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. John 14 talked about power a little bit differently. Listen to what Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, if Jesus says truly twice, that means listen, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Say, wow. Yeah. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, any, ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's really quiet. Because that's a big order, isn't it? Now, some take this to mean that, um, that we will have the power to ask for anything we want. I want a new car. I'm going to just say it. I want a new house on the river. I'm going to say it. And, and that sort of thing. Uh, and that's not what this means at all. Uh, some turn the name of Jesus into something like rubbing a genie's lamp and getting a wish. And that's not what the Bible teaches. There is great power in the Holy Spirit as it's released in the name of Jesus. That means in the purpose of Jesus. But that's not directed to self. It's not, it's not to uh, aggrandize self. It's for the glory of Christ. So what is this power for? It's to be my witnesses. It is to carry the gospel uh, to Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. The power is about the kingdom of God and bringing the gospel of Jesus into the world. That's what it's all about. And, and it glorifies Jesus in all of this. Power to be witnesses. That's another Greek word that I love. Uh, it's the word martus. Say that with me. Martus. And it means to establish the record. So it is a, a reference to a witness in court. A witness stands in the presence of others and a judge and establishes uh, the, the truth, the record in court. But it's bigger than that. Uh, it's where we get the word martyr from this word. And so it's one who establishes the record and testifies to the truth, even at the cost of their life. You know, I, so many times I'll be watching one of these detective shows and they'll say, we've got it all set. We've got our witness. We're bringing the witness in and the witness, hey, we're going to get this case. It's, it's just a open and shut. We're going to take care of this. And then the witness gets in there and they say, oh, no, I, I don't know anything about it. I can't identify that person. And why? They were threatened. They, they, they didn't stand up uh, when the threat was upon them. They didn't stand up in court. And so in the first century, it was, uh, it was a thing where it could cost you your life if you gave witness to the truth of Jesus. 
And so that's why that word martyr uh, becomes connected. See, as we study this, we have to realize that the, the world operates on a power principle. We often say, uh, follow the money, and you'll find out what's going on, right? But it's actually bigger than that. It's follow the power, because money is connected to power. The world seeks to have power over people and families and nations and kingdoms, and a lot of times that involves money. Uh, but this power is very different. In fact, much of what is called public service is actually self-service. People giving things so that they, they bring power to themselves. It's a scary thing. We need to pray for genuine public servants, don't we? Someone with me? Amen? Yeah. And the truth is that the gospel is the only thing that has the power to change a self-centered world into a God-directed world. It's the only thing. And and that changes everything. This is a power that can change the world, that can and does change the world. Sometimes we wonder why are people suspicious of Christianity? And uh, the reason is because even Christian leaders and moments in Christian history have, uh, we've seen the faith co-opted or hijacked for selfish purposes. You go through history and you'll see that the greatest moments of healing and hope have been shared by the church. But also some of the worst travesties have come through the church and through leaders that missed what was supposed to be going on and focused on themselves. So Jesus announced this power shift that changes everything and his name is Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit will change the things closest to you. That's Judea. Judea was the region nearest and will change the people who are enemies to you. That's Samaria, Judea, Samaria, uh, and then to the end of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit levels the playing field in the world that we live in. It it literally changes because it's a power that it it erases the influences of, of the world. And we see it as we trust it and as it enters in. It's a power that doesn't depend on money and yet actually controls resources. It's a power that can tap the most selfish soul on the planet. You know, sometimes we think, well, this person is so terrible. Pray for them. You know, in the, in the Bible, we see that this fellow named Saul was the worst persecutor of the Christian followers. And, and God said, you know what? I think he would be a really good witness for me. And so what did he do? He slammed him. <laughs> and, and he said, I'm going to give you a few days to recover, and then you're going to become the apostle to the Gentiles. So God can reach anybody. We, we don't want to miss that. It's a very powerful, powerful thing. It's a power that can deliver peace that is beyond our understanding. And it's the same power that that caused a centurion to declare that Jesus was the son of God and the praetorian guard that was guarding the apostle Paul to be converted to Christ. Now, how does that happen? There are five things that the Holy Spirit uh, will do when you connect. And and I want to just lift these up uh, briefly for us. The first is Holy Spirit will always glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. John 16 says, he will glorify me. Don't miss that. 
Whatever we experience of Holy Spirit, uh, he, if it's genuinely Holy Spirit, we will see Jesus glorified. As you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, uh, you won't uh, be able to help but glorify Jesus as you go about your life. And it's also kind of a, a discernment for us when we see someone who's claiming to be working in the, in the name of God, in the name of the Holy Spirit, but we see it's not glorifying Jesus, that should be a flag. Well, we, we should realize in that situation that there's something else. If it's glorifying the person, if it's glorifying self, then that's, that's a sign that that's not truly Holy Spirit. The second thing is he convicts the world of its guilt. He says, I tell you the truth. It's my advantage, uh, it's to your advantage that I go away. The helper will, will not come to you unless I go away. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Do you ever look around and say, I wish that there would be a conviction of sin, that people would realize this is sin. Do you ever, anybody? Yeah. And, and we look around and we say, and, and I wish that, that there would be a conviction about what true righteousness is and that there is judgment and we get we get the feeling about this you know like we need to engage that i mean a few weeks ago i i I was bringing you the study on the human condition and it's such a big deal but here's the good news you do not have to convince anyone that they are a sinner it's not your job it's the job of holy spirit and so does that set you free a little bit yeah it's our job to testify to the truth. It is our job to give testimony and say, I was a mess and God helped me. I was a mess and God saved me, God redeemed me. That's just testimony. But you don't have to go out and take somebody by the collar and say, you need to be understanding you are a sinner. It's not your job. It's not my job. It's the job of Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand that. The third is that he regenerates. That is, he gives new life. He's the one who makes a person born again. Uh, in, in Jeremiah, this was prophesied, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. He is the one who, who gives new life. Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it's only by the spirit. Sometimes people will, I'll, I'll see them and they'll, they'll write, well, I was born again. And, and then you explore that a little bit, and it means they kind of made a, a, a new start in life. And, and they weren't born of the Spirit. And, and born again means you become a new person by the Spirit. You're no longer spiritually dead, and only Holy Spirit can do that. It's the only connection and the only power by which we can be born again. The fourth is that he baptizes believers and brings us into a union with Christ. Ephesians 4 talks about that. One body and one spirit, one faith and one baptism. In the writings of Paul, I was kind of surprised to learn that uh, he uses the term in Christ 164 times. You should say, wow, that's a lot. That means to be in Christ and be baptized in Christ is critically important. Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, stays in me, lives in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So we need to abide in him. The fifth is that he adopts believers as heirs in the family of Christ. Galatians 4 talks about this, being adopted in as sons. They might say, well, what about daughters? In the ancient world, <coughs> sons had all the inheritance. And so to be adopted as a son meant you have full inheritance, male, female, it doesn't matter. A full inheritance. So it's critical to kind of understand that. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we're given the right to be adopted. In our union with the Son of God, we share in a new relationship with God as our Father. The sixth is that he empowers believers for Christ-like service. Now, he does this in several ways. He indwells, he illuminates, he guides, and he equips. So let me just go over those quickly. He, he indwells. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is within you. He illuminates. I love this the, uh, scripture. For it is you who light my lamp. He lights my lamp. The Lord lightens my darkness. The unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He also guides us. Uh, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Uh, so that uh, he'll bring to your memory the things you need to know. Romans says that we are all led by the Spirit. So Spirit is so critically important for us. He equips. Uh, you remember our study of Zechariah. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. That is the equipping of, of God in us. Ephesians talks all about the body of Christ and how he equips us. We're going to talk about that more next weekend. As I was studying this, it just gripped me that if ever there was a time when we need the power of the Holy Spirit, it is now. I mean, we look around and we say, what is the answer in our world? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a passage in 2 Timothy 3 that I've read over my Christian life and I thought, well, I don't think we're quite there yet. But listen to this in the age in which we live. Uh, Paul wrote, he says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Avoid being such people. In that passage, there are 18 horrible descriptions. And then the 19th may be the worst. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That's what we don't want. 
That, that was the religion of the day in the time of Jesus. They had the appearance of righteousness, the appearance of holiness. That was the pharisaical walk. But they denied the power of God. Knowing enough about appearing godly to get by or to manipulate those around you, but never connecting with the real power to transform. We need a release of the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4 says that the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. That's why I, I love our summer camp theme, discover God's power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is how we're seeking to engage the students this summer. Uh, for God intended that your faith might not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Uh, I'd like us to read our statement of faith. And sometimes I, I'll read it for you first so you know what we're going to read. I've been teaching it to you for about 25 minutes. So I want to invite you, let's stand and let's uh, say together uh, the statement of faith. Uh, that is our, our church statement of faith regarding Holy Spirit. Let's join together. We believe that the Holy Spirit in all that he does glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He regenerates sinners and in him they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs in the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that as we open the word, we feel the breath of God. And we feel the illumination. God, we pray that we might grow, that we might know your power as never before, because it's desperately needed in our world, in our families, in our church. In Jesus' name, amen.